the situation as crisis mode, yeah, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Shut up and sit down. What's going on, gang? Welcome to another edition of Paraprobe. Here we are, gathered up in our, our huddled little masses over here at the uh, 1490 uh, station. And um, we, we actually have some bad news. Uh, the bad news being is that Jesse will be on the show today. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. And I am very loud. I am too, man. My, my headphones are like way up. There we go. Much Bro. Better. Hold on. Do, do, do. Test, 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 test. Are we test, redlining test, over there? Redlining. Okay. Redlining. Right. Oh, welcome, y'all. Welcome, 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 welcome. We've got a whole different show for y'all today because there is no plan. There's never a plan anyway, but we don't exactly have any plans for anything. So hang on to your sanity and your butts. Well, it's going to be a really big coincidence because it's about coincidences today. That's what the show is about. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, amazing Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. <laughs> amazing coincidences. I've got a couple things for you, too, because uh, I did some homework because I ain't heard nothing from you because somebody had to go on vacation. Dude, I finally got a vacation. I haven't had a vacation in years, and I took a couple of days to just chill out and uh, went to Universal Studios and Smoke goofed rocks. off and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the normal stuff. Oh. But yeah, I've been uh, busy running and gunning. We were getting our our uh, townhome uh, tented, like the the whole building, because we live by the water. And so, like every five years, they have to tent it. And it just happened to be this weekend. Why is that? Oh, uh, because of, like water bugs, stuff like that. That's they it, they do it every five years. They tent it. They keep it from ever getting bugs. Okay, what are they gonna do about you? Uh, well, we're stuck with that one. Yeah. So yeah, so we had to go stay with the in-laws for a couple of days. So shout out to my mother-in-law, Elba Kelly. That she's a wonderful, beautiful, kind woman who put up with us for a couple of days at her place. And, I feel uh, so sorry for you. I'm only saying that because Stephanie texted me like five minutes ago, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, mom was kidding about you know giving her a shout out on the show and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Well, I, see now, now I you, didn't even know she had dude, done it anyway." You don't even look good. You don't even look good anymore because now you just said like I that care. you were told to. This woman knows me. I pick on her constantly. This is not new. <laughs> she probably picks on you back. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it has a broken knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we stayed there for a couple of days, and then, like like I said, we went to Universal Studios, stuff like that. We finally got back today, back into our place, and had to get everything squared away, and all that fun stuff, and now tomorrow will be my last day to chill out before, you know, going back to the, the grind on Monday. Ugh, I never stopped grinding, dude. It's been a heck of a month, and now it has all started over again. All over again. I can't be, I can't wait to be, like, off-grid somewhere. Well... Where nobody can find me. <laughs> we do actually have some news to throw out there. So, Voices of the Apocalypse. Uh, we talked about this a long time ago when we first started doing this show. Uh, me and the guys from DeadX Radio, uh, we have collaborated and got back together to do a new televised talk show uh, called Voices of the Apocalypse. And we are going to be filming before the end of this year. Yes, we are going to be finally doing the show. Are you sure? Yes, positive. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yes, positive. Are you sure? Positive. John? Yes. I know you're hearing this, John. Oh, John ain't listening to us, man. He don't care. He don't care. Yeah. So anyways, if you do care, get your butt in gear. Yeah, so <laughs> for some of our newer fans out there who are not uh, who are not familiar with it, uh, DeadX Radio is a show that I used to be on. Um, it's a, a very uncensored podcast show where we talk to celebrities from paranormal horror and sci-fi. Uh, we talk to people like, you know, Alice Cooper. Uh, we talk to Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. Anthony Michael Hall, uh, people from Stranger Things. I mean, we, we talked to all these different celebrities from different genres of paranormal horror and sci-fi, if they're an actor, producer, director, you know, author, whatever. And uh, so anyways, we're going to be re-amping the show. It's coming back, but this time it's called Voices of the Apocalypse, kind of fitting for all the things that happened since 2020. <laughs> so, yeah, so just giving that shout-out, just letting you guys know we are coming back with a new show, and uh, I think we're going to be on Amazon Prime with it, yeah. Chop chop. Yep, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We got a whole new studio and everything. I mean, well, 
let me rephrase that. Same studio, but whole different setup design of the studio. It's a whole new setup. Um, people who have seen the show before, they really liked it because we have a full, you know, John has his full production studio that we do the show from in Sarasota. Um, we're not talking about like out of a garage or something like that. We're talking about like a complex. Um, then plus we have like, you know, the, all the props and all that good stuff to throw in the mix. They've been, bu- I get, I get pictures. That, wow, I am still really loud. All right. I keep getting pictures like weekly of like, oh, we got this prop. Oh, we got that prop. I was like, okay, when are you going to start the show? Dude, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John. Well, we've been, because of the whole COVID thing, man. Everybody's yeah. been on hold. Well, and then John's been super busy, too. Yeah. Doing yeah. his thing. He's like, I, I talk a lot of John, but like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. John's a busy man. He does, John, John is like a rock star. He does all kinds of crazy mess all the time. He's always busy. Every time I turn around, it's like, oh, John's doing this. John's doing that. John's doing this. John's doing that. You know what's funny is the other day I swung by his other house that he rents out that he's like refurbishing and stuff, and I went by there to talk to him for a little bit about voices, you know, some of the things coming up, and it was so funny because I pull up and there's a hearse in the front yard, and I'm like, of course there is, <laughs> just not a surprise. Yeah, uh, he's my hero. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about getting it wrapped and all that for voices and everything. You know, <laughs> he was talking about putting a wet bar in the back for us. Heck so yeah. when we go out to do these events and stuff, we can have a driver driving us like a limousine. We'll be sitting in the back. He's going to convert it almost like a limousine in the back. So we'll have a wet bar, the whole nine yards and everything when we go to do these events. But also, speaking of events, Paraprobe, our show here, we are going to be doing some events coming up in the near future, too. Um, I don't want to get too much into detail yet, but we will be launching uh, these events. We will obviously be putting all the information out there. Um, things are starting to open up again. Uh, some of the events we're going to be doing. Um, are going to be paranormal related, and it's yeah. going to be fun. Yes, uh, we got some really, really, really kick-ass locations. Yep, and yeah. we're going to keep them small just to make sure everybody is covered, everybody's safe, and everything. We're yeah, going to keep them very right small way. at first. Um, we are looking forward to when everything finally fully opens. ends. Like, yeah. when will it all end? Yeah, and then we're going to like blast off into space and do some crazy mess and be haunted and like. We got some mad stuff for the the bigger events that we'll be doing. Those will probably be either toward the very end of this year or it'll be coming up in the beginning of, like, next year. Um, You know, depending on the whole COVID situation, you know, we want to make sure everybody's safe and all that good stuff. Um, And then we're going to send poultry guys home with you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, anyway, so now we've pretty much got you guys up to speed, so that's what's going on with us. That's another reason why we've been so... Like, I've had people reaching out to me going, man, you guys have kind of fallen off social media. It's like, dude, we've actually been really busy. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I know we joke around about, you know, uh, you know, goofing off and everything else. But realistically, we are always working on the show. We're working on these events and getting this stuff. And it's not it's not a simple thing to do. It's not we just call a place and go, hey, we're going to show up and do an event. No, there's a whole lot of, you know, because it's a business. It's please, please, <laughs> well, can we do an event there, please? That too, you know, that too. <laughs> so sometimes. Uh, but well, no, we, uh, we've got some really, really cool locations, and uh, they're going to be happening here in Florida. We got a couple later down the line that will probably be out of state uh, for events we're going to be doing. Um, those are going to be more with probably, well, it's going to be a combination. Some will be Paraprobe, some will be Voices of the Apocalypse show. So we're going to be I'm doing a little bit I'm still coming with Voices of the Apocalypse. You know that, right? Yeah. yeah. Whether, like, I'm involved or not, I'm still coming. Yeah. We'll just Wet bar, hearse. We'll throw it in the luggage. <laughs> right hey, with us. I'm small. I'm compact. I'm travel size for your convenience. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, so yeah, so that's why I wanted to let everybody know too to give a quick, you know, uh, update to everybody because I've been getting so many messages going, you know, man, I've reached out to you like ten times on social media, I haven't heard back from you, or and you have to understand too, on my social media, I get bombarded with messages by multiple people every day. If I miss your message, I apologize. I will get back to you when I see it, and that's the truth. I mean, I get, you know, I can't even count how many people like will send me messages about a haunted location they found that they thought was cool, want to tell me about, or. Uh, you know, UFO sighting, whatever the case may be. And Jesse's the same way. He gets the same thing on his. So <laughs> you guys have to understand sometimes when you get like 50 messages from 50 different people all at once in like 10 minutes, it we might miss your message in between. <laughs> you know, it happens. So we will get back to you, I promise. 
Um, or I just don't get on there. <laughs> yeah. Or we're just really busy at the moment. We'll get back to you when we can. You know, because there's so many different meetings wrapped up and involved in all this stuff that we have to do. People we have to meet with. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, these events they are no matter how small or how big they are. There, there's always business that goes into it. A lot of work. And you have to, you have to talk to these people too. You have to let them know your personality. You have to, you have. There's a uh, jive that has to go on with everybody. You know, everybody has to mesh properly, and yeah. there can't be any. I hate you, but we want to do the event. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we do have a third party person that actually does and sets all this stuff up and lines it up. I don't want to say who it She's is yet because amazing. Yeah, because I don't know if she. I honestly don't know if she want me to say it out on air. We'll we'll say it next weekend if she does. Say my name. Say my. Say my name. <laughs> say my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be stuck in everybody's ear all night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we we do. we got a lot of stuff that's in the works right now and a lot of things going on for uh, for both parties, for Paraprobe and for, you know, our radio show here and for Voices of the Apocalypse. So now I think we got everybody pretty much caught up on what's going on. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I tried to think of something, but it's gone. Yeah. So, like I said, now you guys can understand if you don't see us that much on social media for, like, the last couple of weeks – this is why we we because it wasn't just one event that fell into our lap no, or location. It was like several. Yeah, it was like seven that we had to deal with right off the top, and it was like three for voices, you know, four for uh, Paraprobe, and and we're having to have these different you know phone meetings. And like I said, we mostly have a third party person who handles a lot of this stuff. A lot of people don't understand when you're putting on like even a paranormal event, like like say a ghost haunting, you know, for. Uh, uh, like a, a ghost haunting. Well, like, oh, to. let me rephrase that. Sorry, <laughs> Michelle Vance, a friend of mine who used to run this jail, that uh, she would do like you know a big haunted event there all the time. You know, and people come out and they investigate there and all that. They do lectures, the whole nine yards. Um, even she'll tell you because she put those things on all the time. They're never the same and they're never easy. There, there's no. a lot of work that goes into it. Well, and then a couple of our events because of COVID protocol and all that, they're trying. We're trying to figure out how to get everybody in and still keep everybody social distance. Exactly. And then there was talk of multiple venues at one, and it's like, oh my god, how are we going to make this work? And yeah, a lot of fire. logistics going into <laughs> it. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, we have a third party party person who handles them at like ninety percent of this. For us, it's going yes or no. For, She's for so amazing. She yeah. is. She's the best. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways. Um, also, too, I do want to give a shout out to Bruins over in uh, Tampa. Oh, yes. Yeah, they're uh, they're very well known a uh, well known pub, grill, pool table establishment. All we got beer and food. Go there. Yeah, and pool tables. <laughs> uh, yeah, we um, have been talking to them recently. We're going to be probably doing some live events out there as well. You know, because we want to start getting out and seeing the public and doing you know some live broadcast at locations. And I've done a couple there uh, from their location before. I had a, a lot of fun. So. We'll definitely be uh, swinging back around and hanging out with all of them and saying hi to the public again. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be real good. Yeah. <laughs> and we can do it. Clothing optional. Awesome. Clothing optional. Oh, wait a minute. For no, real? No, no, no. That's the other location. Oh. Never mind. we got to make sure we get our locations locked in right because we might show up undressed at one and that's the one we have to be dressed. Yeah, we really got to get Yeah, a, we got to get that right. We got to um, get a schedule. Yeah. So, uh, being a stripper on the side doesn't really work out well sometimes, you know. <laughs> Day job. Yeah. Night job, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I can't be a stripper right now, dude. A bad knee, dad bod. <laughs> I'm just losing all the way around. <laughs> hey, you know what? You'll get it down. You you have that uh What the hell was that? Did you hear that? That was creepy. That was like an EVP on the radio. We just got a live EVP on air. <laughs> no, it was probably like a truck going by or somebody like doing something weird outside or something. That's <laughs> like somebody calling our name. I'm um, not, no. <laughs> no, I'm going to really get you freaked out now. If anybody else heard that, call in at 941-745-1490. That uh, was weird. You're going to make me have to figure out the uh, phone situation. 941-745-1490. <laughs> yeah, call in and let me know if you heard that over the air. That <laughs> somebody was trippy. calls. I'm, I, I thought hey, I heard look, somebody If you go, call and I accidentally uh, hang up on you, call right like back that. because I failed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's get on to the show before we get possessed. <laughs> that was creepy, man. That was kind of cool. I hope the recording caught that. When we, uh... It definitely did. I saw the um. Oh, that's the, the other thing, job. too, I want to throw out there before we get the show kicked off. Um, make sure you follow us on all of our social media pages. You know, Paraprobe Radio, 
is for our, you know, is at Parapro Radio for Facebook and for Instagram, you know, for our show page. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's just Paraprobe. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you want to follow us individually, um, you'll see us, our names attached on those pages. You can go and find us that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. worried about you following us. Follow the show. That's what I want. Yeah. Don't yeah. stalk me. Yeah. But if you do follow us, I mean, it's cool. We'll talk with you. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if we have time. <laughs> if we have time. Yep. <laughs> we were just talking about how we haven't talked to anybody. Like, we'll talk to you. <laughs> we'll talk to you when we got time. All right. So here we go. So we're kicking off some famous coincidences. All right. Number one, Mark Twain's birth and death coincide with Haley's Comet. I'm now, changing the same to Haley Twain. Well, well, here's what's the interesting fact about this. Okay. So Samuel Longhorn Clemens, uh, known popularly, uh, pop, never mind, known very well <laughs> by Mark Twain, <laughs> was born in 1835, the same year that Haley's Comet made its first appearance. The Comet made a second appearance in 1910. The year that Twain died. And the author, according to the New York Times, famously predicted that the two events would coincide. So he called his own death. Dude, hold on. Did he die like the same day? Like a day before? Uh, The same year. Yeah, he's quoted as saying, The Almighty has said, no doubt, now here are these two unaccountable freaks. They come in together, they must go out together. (laughs) Because he was well well known for his humor. And when he made that comment, he was referring that... Him and Haley's Comet appeared together, and they would lead together. And sure enough, the <laughs> next time around, he died. So, oh, yep, pretty crazy. Because with that, is every Haley's Comet comes around like one seventy-five years, seventy-five years, yeah, yeah. seventy-four, seventy-five, something like that. Yep, I can Google it, but I'm too lazy. Yeah. And now with genius, genius of genius of genius, genius, Stephen Hawking shares his birth and death dates with Galileo and Einstein. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, so, theoretical physicist. Uh, God, I cannot talk today. Theoretical Why physicist. Why are you doing radio if you can't talk? I know, right? <laughs> An author, Stephen Hawking, was famously born on the 300th anniversary of Galileo's death and died on what would have been Einstein's 139th birthday. Now, with all that said and done, they, uh, another achievement that he made that a lot of people was really amazed by is he lived to be 76 years old. He had Lou Gehrig's disease. He should have never lived that long, to be honest. With with his, for how far advanced his was, like they were like, there's no way he would make it to you know even remotely to where he made it to. It was too damn smart to die. Yeah, I think his brain <clears throat> kept him alive. Yeah, might have been. I mean, dude, there there would be some like scientific fact behind that because I mean, mind over matter is a legitimate thing. It's very true. Yeah. There, there are circumstances where your brain can really, really function on such a high level that it will actually control your body to feel pain when there is no real pain. And I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Um, when somebody gets an uh, a arm amputated or a leg amputated, they have uh, the ghost feeling. They yeah. feel like their hand or their leg. Yeah, is the nerves. Yeah. yeah. And all that's <laughs> up in their head. telling Because there is no body part there that has nerves attached to it connected to the brain. The brain is telling it that the hand is still there and they're feeling numbness or tingling or uh, even pain. Uh, that happens uh, That happens actually very often with amputees. That after the part has been removed, that they do continue to feel pain for a while, even though the thing is not there. Uh, which is crazy. I mean, that's how powerful your brain can be. I mean, your brain can send you into a state of shock if something scares you bad enough that you could have a heart attack and die. Even though your heart could be fully functioning in great shape the whole nine yards. Scared to death. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally. You can get scared so bad, it will shut everything down and boom. Like <laughs> That's a hell of a way to die. I know, right? Well, like I know they, we always say that, say we've always said that for a very long time, scared to death. But there's that. a, there, That's where that came from. There's a certain type of uh, goat that if you scare it, it'll freeze up and just fall over. Yeah, I yeah. want one. Okay. Or five. Well, the human body... Human brain, same thing. It can interact that God, way. I love pain. That enough fear hits, it can send them in, into such a traumatic spin that it can shut everything down and, and kill them. See, this is why I need a farm. I want fainting goats. <laughs> that that I want fainting goats. I want chickens, and I want a couple of cows. <laughs> this is not going to be like a pet farm, right? I mean, you can come over and pet them if you want to. I mean, Just I might have a bull so I can have more cows, but like, yeah. I wouldn't recommend petting the bull. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Hey, look, look. I thought he was milking a cow, turned out to be a bull, and made a friend for life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving on. So, uh, all right, so now here's a, a weird one. So the relationship between former presidents Thomas Jefferson and John Adams took quite a few twists and turns over the years. They began as allies, then gradually grew into adversaries as their politics divided them. As the last two surviving members of the American revolutionaries from the British Empire, they eventually reconciled and corresponded by letter until their final years. They famously died within hours of one another on the same day in 1826 on the 4th of July. They couldn't live without each other. Well, the crazy thing is, you're talking about people who were involved with the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and they both died on the 4th of July. And died hours apart from each other. It was meant to be. It was just meant to be. I love it. I love that. That's super cool. Now, this one, I don't know why. Let's be fair. Let's let's really be fair here. A lot of people like watching the videos of, like, epic fails. Yes. And they laugh. Yes. Okay. People falling down, record cards, whatever. That's how Rob Deerdeck got famous. Okay. (laughs) So people watch these videos and they laugh. So you, you can't blame me for reading this and then laughing after reading it, okay? Oh, you're good. So National Geographic reports that the... Uh, your odds of being killed by a meteor are 1 in 1,600,000. So the odds would seem really, really small that a meteor which would be flying through space for more than 4.5 billion years without hitting a target would hit the home of the family with the last name Comet. (laughs) According to Time, in a bizarre case of cosmic synchronicity, that is exactly what happened to one family in France. Thankfully, no one was hurt, and the comments are now proud owners of their own extremely rare extraterrestrial rock. And it really happened. I was like, when I read that, I don't know why, it just hit me so funny, and I was like cracking up. Like like the other day, I saw this, uh, it was a meme on Facebook, and it, it was talking about this guy was born to do his job. And it was a firefighter, and he was, oh, I want to say it was maybe San Antonio, maybe? He was on the fire department. It could be a different location, but either way. But on the news report, and it had a picture of him, and they have his name, you know, on the lower third on the bottom of the screen. And it was uh, uh, Les McBurney. <laughs> Got to admit, the, guy, the guy's name, he was kind of born into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Les his job. Les McBurney. Les McBurney. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, um, oh, dang on it. Why'd you have to change the subject? Because I totally forgot where I was going to go. I don't know. But here's one about Anthony Hopkins, who actually just won an Academy Award, by the way. Um, in the early, uh, actually, he won an Academy Award uh, here recently for the movie uh, The Father, I believe is the name of the film. He uh, just won another Academy Award. I've always liked Anthony Hopkins. Great actor. Me too. Yeah. Um, I just haven't watched a lot of movies lately. I've been trying to watch Mortal Kombat because you said it was freaking awesome. Mortal Kombat was good. I liked it. Okay, I mean... We can I'm, talk about that toward the end of the show, I don't care. I'm, was, trying to, I'm trying to get through it because I I loved the first Mortal Kombat. John watched it and he said, you know, on his Facebook page, bring a pillow. Okay, that... That's <laughs> what Becky said. I, I, I don't care <laughs> what you say, John's going to hate it. That's just John. That's how he is. All right, so in the early 1970s, Anthony Hopkins was uh, slated to play uh, Kostya in a film adaption of the girl from Petrovka, or Petrovka? There we go, Petrovka. Yeah. Uh, to prepare for the role, he set out to read the book, but was unable to find a copy in any bookstore despite a rigorous search. Then, as an internet legend has it, while sitting in a London tube station subway, he noticed a copy of that very book that someone had left behind. When he opened it, he found that the book had also been signed by its author, George Pfeiffer. What? Yep. Did he get the book back to the person, or did he just take it? Do what? Did he try to give the book back to the person or just take it? I'm sure he kept it. He was preparing for that role. He was like, yep, this is mine now. (laughs) (laughs) I look at him a little differently now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anthony Hopkins, how far you have fallen from grace. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thief. I mean, never mind. No, uh, all right, so here's a crazy one here. John Wilkes Booth, all right, Mm -hmm. the man who was famous for doing what? Shooting. Mm Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I get Abraham Lincoln and uh, JFK confused. (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah, two totally different people. No, 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 but but no, there is a lot of coincidences. Yeah. I've seen that before about between the two deaths and everything else, or like letters in our name, the same number, yeah. all that. Yeah, I tumbled down that rabbit hole during the pandemic. It was it was bad. It was <laughs> yeah. real bad. I was three days. But here's the crazy thing: John Wilkes, John Wilkes Booth, Booth's brother, uh, saved Abraham Lincoln's son from death. What? Mm-hmm. So I still say that was an inside job. Uh, yeah, it definitely was. So John Wilkes Booth and Abraham Lincoln reportedly had a coincidental family connection long before Booth shot Lincoln on that fateful day in April of 1865. Booth's brother, Edwin, was somewhat a famous stage actor who ardently supported the Union during the Civil War. While in a train station in New Jersey, Lincoln's son, Robert Todd Lincoln, leaned up against a stopped train, nearly falling onto the tracks as it started up. <laughs> Edwin Booth grabbed him by the collar and saved him just in time from falling underneath the wheels. The younger Lincoln recognized his hero and wrote about the incident, but it wasn't until years later that Booth found out who he had saved. Wow. So, that is crazy. See? There's one in every family. Yeah. Um, This is one that I want to put out there because I want somebody who's listening to the show to do research on this to see how much truth there is to this. I had heard this second hand from someone else didn't have time to research it because i'm lazy um (laughs) didn't have time because i'm lazy (laughs) yeah let's be real um okay so i gave you the story the other day so i'm gonna repeat that story all right so back in like uh i think it was 1800s late 1800s whatever um there was a really really rich gentleman farmer um him and his son were coming back from in town now, this farmer who owned all this land and everything else, you know, was well-schooled, went to college. You know, his son, he was putting through college, the whole shebang, or was going to. His son was a little kid at the time. So this guy was very, very rich, you know, owned lots of property, the whole nine yards. So they're coming back on their horse-drawn and wagon. It had been raining really, really bad. Um, the trail that goes onto their property, uh, the mud started giving way. Well, they're... Uh, horse-drawn carriage, the carriage portion had flipped. It slid in the mud, rolled over, and went into the canal upside down. All right. On the property, the the ranch hand who ran the property for this, you know, prominent guy, um, him and his son ran to their rescue. They jumped in the water, and they pulled both of them out, and it was the son of the, the poor guy who worked for this really rich farmer had pulled, you know, the young man from the water and saved his life of the rich guy. Okay? So, the 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 rich guy who owned all the land, you know, the land baron and everything, he felt so indebted, you know, to this, you know, young man who worked for him and his son that he said, look, you know, for what you guys did in saving my family, I'm going to put your son through college and pay for it completely. And he did. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So when his kid got much older, he paid for his schooling as he went to regular school and all that, you know, made sure he had books and clothes and everything else. He paid for him to go through college and all that. Later on down the line, years later, after this young man had graduated from college, um, the land baron's son had fallen very, very ill uh, from, like, pneumonia. It got really, really bad. And so the young man that they had rescued, or that had rescued them when they were, you know, when when that son was a a child, uh, that young man that they paid to go through college is the one who invented the medication that saved that guy's life as an adult. Wow. So he saved his life twice in one lifetime. That's crazy. Yeah. The same dude. Same dude. Same dude. Wow. Yep. So once again, the Lamb Baron's son as an adult fell very, very ill to, you know, pneumonia, uh, was on his deathbed, and the medications that saved him was the medications that the young man that they paid to go through college that saved his life when he was a kid is the one who created the medications that saved his life as an adult. See, that family had some seriously good karma because, yeah. like, not only did the same person save him twice, twice, they got extra karma for sending this dude to school. Yep. And then, see, that that's one of those people that would never die because their karma is so good. <laughs> yeah, like, <right. laughs> It was like, look, I have excellent karma. I will never die. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a firm believer in karma. I mm-hmm. always try to do, you know... Uh, the older I've got, because my life sucked for so long, is like, you know what? I was kind of a dirtbag when I was younger, you know? And I think a lot of that was because of that, you know? So as I've gotten older, I try to be more 
helpful, more, you know, nicer to people, you know, um, try to respond back to messages, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, make sure I build good karma from, you know, my bank account, <laughs> my <laughs> bank account of life. Yeah. All right. So anyways, yeah. So if you guys want to research that one, you're more than welcome to, to find out. Um, so number seven is the same son of Lincoln's witness. Uh, I'm sorry. And that same son of Lincoln's witnessed three presidential assassinations what? in his lifetime. What? Yep. Wait a minute. I thought there. How many? How many times have we had a president assassinated? Uh, quite a few, actually. All right. So thing? Hold on, hold on. while it would be rare to be present at the death of any president, Robert Todd Lincoln was in some way present for not one, not two, but three presidential assassinations. Though he wasn't there at the theater during his father's fateful shooting. He was rushed to his deathbed and sat by his side until the elder Lincoln passed away. Later, he was an eyewitness to the killing of President James A. Garfield. Finally, in 1901, Lincoln was uh, nearby in Buffalo, New York, when the invitation of President uh, William McKinley, when the president was fatally shot. So he was, that's crazy, man. He was actually there when President uh, McKinley got shot and, uh, and killed. He was invited by the president to be there. So in his lifetime, he witnessed three presidential assassinations Man, in one there, way or another. There was a lot of them back then. Oh, yeah. Dude, let's say you had Lincoln and where is it? Yeah, 1865, and then Garfield in 1881, and then McKinley in 1901, and then the last one is uh, 1963, JFK. Dude, we were not playing around with presidents back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, here is a crazy one. Give it to me. All right. So, Violet Jessup. Um, I've actually heard this name before, actually, in reading books about history and stuff. All right. So, Violet Jessup was a nurse and an ocean liner stewardess um, who earned the nickname Miss Unsinkable uh, by surviving both the accidents of the Titanic in 1912 and his sister ship, the HMHS Britannic. They made two? Yes, which met the same fate in 1916. Jessup was also reportedly on board the third boat, the RMS Olympic, when it hit a warship, but unfortunately, the Olympic stayed afloat. Unfortunately or fortunately? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said fortunately. My bad. <laughs> My bad. So fortunately, it stayed afloat. Unfortunately, right, so, it did not sink. <laughs> all right. So long story short, so Violet has been on three, like, and we're not talking about, like, you know, simple little things that happen to see, like being on a boat and bumping another boat. No. Three iconic, you know, ship disasters, and she was on board all three. Um, Maybe she was just bad luck. I, I don't think that's, like, lucky. I think that's, like, that's coincidental, but I think she was, like, super bad luck. Stay off the boat. You would think that the guy, the people that were on the RMS Olympic, when they saw that she was on the manifest, they would have been like, I quit. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, I would have been done. I would, look, if I was on that boat, like, uh-uh, get off here. Don't <laughs> let her drive. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let her drive. Yeah. She already hit the, you know, couple of icebergs. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, but that's incredible. I mean, for somebody to be through that much of um, narrowly, narrowly. God, I cannot talk today. Good Lord. Yeah. I have not had any sleep in a couple of days. I've been so busy. Narrowly surviving these three main incidents is, is just, I mean, the odds of that is incredible. You know, it's bad enough to have survived the Titanic, let alone then the Britannic. And then turn around and survive the Olympic. That's insane. That, that is, depending, like you said, and how you look at it, either extremely lucky or extremely unlucky. I'm not sure which way you want to look at it. Well, two things. Don't let her ride boats and don't have ick at the end of it. Well, and obviously, <laughs> she cannot plan a vacation to save her life. Yeah. Because all three. <laughs> I mean, that's insane, man. How do you hit a warship, anyway? Like, that last one, how how do they hit a warship? I don't know. Uh, you and I both, we come from backgrounds, you know, from being on the water, and, you know, you being a boat captain, you know, a licensed boat captain, and done many, many jobs of uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, tours and, you know, charters and everything else. So you've been, uh, you know, on the water your whole life. You yeah. Know? So you know how difficult, and me, former Navy Coast Guard, grew up on the water, we know it's very difficult to hit another you boat. You can't miss them. They're there. Like, yeah. They like, may have all kinds of fancy radar trucks, but when you see them, 
I understand <laughs> when you have a lot of boats in a really cramped area and are like you know people driving fast and being stupid. Yeah, it happens. I get it. I that I get. Open ocean, two ships colliding. Yeah. Somebody I mean, was asleep at the wheel, dude. You, I mean, or somebody wasn't paying attention. I mean, you do have shipping lanes because we used to run into this like down towards like Corpus Christi, Galveston, all that. Oh my because God. Galveston, yeah. uh, Brownsville, and all that is a major hub for a lot of these oil tankers coming in and out. But you'll have these specific shipping lanes that are just stretched out just for ships, and they have to be super deep because these ships are drawing like their draft, which is what they have underwater, is like. Feet and feet and feet and feet and feet and feet. I mean, there yeah. was one that I saw that was like 80 feet. Mm-hmm. If not, hell, it might have been in meters. I don't know. It was an international ship. Yeah. It had a name that I cannot pronounce. So it was. <laughs> <laughs> what are those? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's super deep. And, I mean, a lot of military ships, what, they don't. They don't have to draw that much if they don't need to. No, right? a lot of them really don't draft that much. Uh, I mean, you know, some, I mean, obviously, like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, yes, no, you know, <laughs> it's got to be The deep. bigger vessels, but, like, you know, the smaller ones, no, not really. No, I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of cutters and, like, a bayou being built, and they're only drawing, like, three or four feet. But they're also a light boat, too. Yeah, well, like the 47-motor lifeboat, it only drafted, I think, maybe four feet, I think, yeah. at that. Um, yeah, there, there's – for – People out there, what we're talking about draft, if you don't understand draft, draft is from the waterline down to the very bottom of your boat, you know, like in feet. So if we say it's drafting four feet, that means it's sticking four feet underneath the water to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going into three feet of water, it's not going to work. <laughs> no. Although, there are ways. There I, are. <laughs> I worked for a couple of companies. Going very that, fast uh, and getting on top of it, yeah. <laughs> Well, not even that. I mean, they're, uh, one tugboat company that uh, they sent us to some mud hole somewhere in the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say where. I'm not going to say what company or anything. But we had a six-foot draft. It was five-foot deep. <laughs> so right. we backed in and blew it out <laughs> with the props. Yep, yes, I, we I, dredged yeah. it out. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> we won't go any further than that. That was um, a long day. Uh, when I was in the Coast Guard, I was a uh, coxswain, which is a boat captain, uh, at, uh, at a, small, a small boat station. And we had the 41 there. We had our Zodiac. You know, I think it was a 29-footer. Um, and then we had we had to get a flat-bottom boat because we have, like, these little back bay areas, you know, that we had to maintain and patrol, too. And unfortunately, at the time, like, people had gotten injured from, you know, being back there in really shallow waters and wrecking our boats, stuff like that. So we wound up. Wound up putting in and putting in and putting in uh, until we finally got our Mayak. It was an 18-foot flat-spotting boat. And, uh, man, when you got the jack plate up on that thing and you're running on top of that water, yeah, you're pulling like three inches, dude. I mean, that thing like skips across the water, man. That's what you need for around here. Yeah, and we needed it because there was a lot of situations where, like I said, people had gotten injured, stuff like that, and we just could not get to them, not by boat. I mean, we would go up to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, and there's a lot of oyster beds back there too, man. We'd have to go up these oyster beds and... Hop out and do the best we can, man, on foot to get to these people. You know? Nope. Yeah. So what else you got? Pretty for crazy me? times. I need some coincidence. All right. So now we have the first and last battles of the Civil War were fought next to the same man's property in different <laughs> towns. <laughs> he was pissed, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you sons of. <laughs> like, well, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> Every time I show up, they start shooting. (laughs) The Civil War broke out in 1861 in the first Battle of the Bull Run. Bull Run references the name of the stream that wound its way through the farm of a 46-year-old grocer named William McLean. Or Wilmer, sorry. Wilmer McLean in in, uh, Manasaw, Virginia. After the devastation of the battle, McLean left to find safety in a new home with his wife in Apotomix, Virginia. Appomattox. Or Appomattox. All right. And for roughly four years, he was indeed safe as the bloody war overtook the nation. But in 1865, the war came to a close when Robert E. Lee surrendered to the Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox? Appomattox. Appomattox. Jesus. Courthouse just steps from McLean's new property. I was literally up there, like, when I went up to Virginia. Mm -hmm. We were probably half an hour away from Appomattox. We were thinking about taking a detour because... We're all history buffs, so, I mean, it would have been yeah, 
We're doing another vacation up there. Still yeah. happening. Well, it, like, there's one, okay, like, <clears throat> there's these words like this one, you know, that, that unless you live there or know someone who lives there or whatever. Everybody knows Appomattox and knows anything about history, bro. I'm just saying, like, how to pronounce it correctly. It might be, you know, some people might, like me. I Do was you not watch it. the History Channel? No, I've never really Amazon been a big. Prime? I've never been a big Civil War buff, so sorry. Fair. Okay. okay. So, anyways, with I'll that being said, but that would be equivalent to like you know people that say like conch, the conch shell, conch republic. I have so many people that I hear call it conch. That drives me nuts. Oh my god. I yeah. know. I know it ends in C H, figure- but it's pronounced with a K sound. I was trying it's to figure conch. out where you were going with that because <laughs> that's why I'm just saying like like if I was in. Uh, uh, say it one more time, the town? Appomattox. Appomattox. All right. If I was in Appomattox and I said it the way I first said it. Or Doondon. Like Dunedin. Doondon. Oh, yeah. Doondon. Yeah. People call me Doondon. Yeah. That makes me cry. Yeah. But like when when people turn around and they'll, you know, it, it, like if, if I said that, they'd have been looking at me going, it's Appomattox. 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 Okay. Job. There we go. You did it. Right. I just got to say it a couple <laughs> times and I'll get it in my head. All right. So Appomattox. And I, and I get it. If they go, it's called Appomattox, not eponymous, you know, whatever you're trying to say. <laughs> Hippopotamus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I was up there in that I will make it Hippopotamus. A point, but I will make it a point to try to learn how to say it correctly, you know, with them, you know, especially around, you know, people who live there because I know it gets frustrating. I don't know what it is when people say conch. It drives me nuts. I don't know why. Yeah. Wow. I, it's not even important, but it drives me crazy. I don't I know I thought why. you were going in a totally different direction with that because um, when I found about the horse conch, I thought they said something else. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. I think actually, you and I were on the. We were on the we're, same vessel at the time. Yeah, yep. we were on the same vessel. And, uh, I was the, cracking up because you looked at me and went, "What did they say?" <laughs> I was I like, lost it. Conk. I could. I almost. I legit almost ran aground because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, I gotta. I gotta pay attention." <laughs> it got even funnier when they talked about blowing it and making noise. So there you go. <laughs> So, the first and last soldiers killed in World War One are buried next to each other. What? Yep. So, the first and last soldiers killed in World War One are buried right next to each other. Uh, by the time World War One came to an end, it had claimed an estimated one million British lives. Yet, somehow, without any planning, the first recorded English casualty of war, 17-year-old soldier John Parr, and the last recorded casualty, 30-year-old George Edwin Ellison, reportedly have graves that face one another just 15 feet apart in St. Symphorium Military Cemetery. And that I know I said correctly. So that is, yeah, that is crazy. That's that, super. That kind of odds. I mean, like I said, over 1 million deaths, you know, in that war, you know, being fought. And the first gentleman and the last gentleman to die in that war 15 feet apart from each other. Dang. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that one. I don't, I don't have anything witty or... Anything. No. I got nothing. Got nothing on that one. This one's kind of interesting um, because I we've talked about this story about me before in, in relation to it with my family name. Or not family name, but my family. One man missed two Malaysian air flights that crashed. What? Yep. So in 2014, there were two tragic plane crashes involving Malaysian air flights. The first was shot down over Ukraine, which I remember that one. Everybody knew about that one in the news. Oh, yeah. And the second disappeared without a trace somewhere over the Indian Ocean. And the greatest aviation mystery of all time. Beyond the fact that both incidents involved the same airline in such a short time span, there was another striking coincidence. Dutch cyclist uh, Martin de Jong was scheduled to take both flights, but cheated death by bumping his ticket at the 11th hour when cheaper options became available. (laughs) I guess it pays to be a cheapskate. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is so messed up. So for all of our listening audience out there, just know it pays to be frugal. And it will save your life. <laughs> literally, literally. Literally save <laughs> Yeah. Wow. You know, it, it's funny because, I mean, do you have, I mean, everybody's heard of stories about somebody uh, uh, missing, a, a, you know, a plane and, and that plane went down. Or they've heard of somebody uh, that, you know, was going to get in a taxi and they turn around and they're like, oh, you know, I was running late and somebody else got that one. So I missed it and I had to catch the next one. And then, and then it that exploded. taxi wound up in a little car accident. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, I mean, that stuff happens all the time. Well, it's like you brought up your family. It's like your dad, the bus driver. Uh, no, 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 my grandfather. Grandfather, the bus driver, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like I said before, I don't know how much truth there is to this story, but allegedly my grandfather, which I do know, yes, honestly, he was a bus driver, 
Um, my grandmother begged him one morning to not go into work. Uh, just kept begging him. She said she didn't feel right, that something was wrong. And he never missed work. You know, he always went to work, and he, you know, was just a hardworking guy. And uh, very old school, you know, work hard and all that. So he finally listened to her and decided to stay home. Well, the, uh, someone else obviously took his place on, that, on the bus that day. That is the same day that the Skyway got hit and the center span dropped and the bus had gone off the Skyway. And so I don't know how much truth there is to that. You know, if, if uh, that is really absolutely true, you know, that the, that, you know, happened with my family or whatever. But I've heard it from multiple people in my family that that was a true story that that happened. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy how little things can happen in life, these coincidences that can make you either make or break one way or another. You know, um, I, I've had a situation where I had jumped off a boat um, out in the open water. Uh, the, it was a really hot day. I just needed to cool off. I was out there fishing and stuff all day, and I was like, I'm going to jump in and go for a quick swim to cool off. I literally jumped in the water, swam around for probably about a good 10, 15 minutes, you know. And for me, I mean, I'm... I'm used to being out in the open water. I don't think nothing about it. Swam around, swam around, swam around, came back to the boat, climbed up on the steps and got up. And right when I did, a about eight and a half bull shark swam right underneath the boat and passed right by where I climbed up at. Ooh. So it was swimming right at me, and I didn't see it when I was coming out of the water. And it passed right underneath me as I climbed up on the back uh, on the back uh, fins of the boat. Yep, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so, yeah, so there was that moment of just... I was swimming, and I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm cold off enough, and I'm getting tired out here paddling around in the open water and all that, climbing back in the boat, and yeah, just missed me, man. Well, I got something super cool that I randomly found. Okay. And if anybody's looking for cheap housing, there's a house going for $140,000 in Trenton, Florida. It's actually haunted, and it used to be a jail. It was the uh, Gilchrist County Jail. Has that is the one that Michelle Vance was doing all the uh, the events that I was telling you about earlier on the show. What a coincidence. Yes. <laughs> That's the one where uh, we did multiple events there. We did a couple <laughs> events with like Rob Demarest, and uh, and we uh, also did uh, from Ghost Hunters International. We also did an event there with um, Bill Hartley from um, Ghost of Shepherdstown mm-hmm. uh, and with other people, too. We've done multiple haunted events there and traveled through the jail and all that good stuff. Most for sale. Yeah, and like it's it, that's a pretty decent price for an eight bedroom, eight bathroom. <laughs> you should see it. It is a really like the like the the land that it's on is like really nice. The the lot and everything where this place is located. And I mean honestly, if I had the hundred forty six grand that I could just blow. Nope, it's one hundred thirty nine nine ninety. Okay, it. if I had the one hundred thirty nine nine ninety, I would buy it. I would. It's not hard to get a loan for that. Yeah, somebody but, buy it and let us do an event there. Yeah, but I'd rather, I'd rather be buying my house, not a jail. You know, and and you can live there. There's uh, eight, no. eight bedrooms. And Dude, eight that bathrooms. place is active. It's real. I can vouch for it. That place is active. Okay, call we up. had a lot of stuff happen in that place. Oh, what's his name? How did I forget his name again? I hate myself. Where's your demonologist guy? Oh, Rich Valdez. Yeah, Valdez. You know what? Yeah. I bet I could talk to John. John might drop money in that. Hey, John. Chop chop. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, how cool would that be that John can say he owns his own jail? Yeah, know? right? Yeah. But it's really cool, man. I mean, you know, there's a lot of history behind that place. There, it, It's just, you get this vibe when you just walk into the place. It's crazy. And now, I can see how you could take some of that jail area and actually convert it into a home. But would I want to live in it? No. Dude. It's I mean, way too active. And they've had some crazy people that had died in that prison. Oh, yeah. That were very violent. Yeah. No, they, they're still super active. But it's for sale yeah. for 140 grand. All right. So That's, for people out there interested, want to do a little investing or whatever, here you go. Yeah. Gilcrest. I mean, I I got my house for cheap, and this is a better deal than my house. <laughs> <laughs> I would almost buy Like, if I was in the market, I'd probably buy it. You know, I put it this way. You and I could together maybe go in and get a loan for it, and that will be the new Paraprobe home. Dude. Imagine the events. We, can, we do a live broadcast there. There'll be some haunting crap going on in the background for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, we had some crazy stuff there, man. We When we investigated it, we've we've investigated that jail a bunch of times. And it's crazy, man, some stuff that we have found. Everything from EVPs uh, to jail cell, like doors moving. Mm-hmm. And those things are, I mean, if you were there, you could see they're 
they're very old, very heavy, very rusted. It's not like they're, you know, some of them, sure, they can swing pretty easy because you always test it to make yeah. sure that was it the wind or whatever that moved the, the door. But some of them don't move that easy. And all of a sudden you see it just and just shut. Hmm. And full body, <laughs> full body apparitions. Yeah. Uh, people being touched. I mean, the, the whole list. I mean, See, we'd have to do an uncensored broadcast on, like, the Internet or something because I would not have any filter if something starts, like, touching me. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm good yeah. with, like, I'll see an apparition. My voice will change a little bit. It might get high-pitched. But, like, <laughs> it would be one of those things be like, all right, I, I'm straight. If something starts touching me, I may run away. <laughs> I haven't had anything touch me. So we well, don't know. We've had situations where, uh, like, a uh, prime example, we had um, one person who was standing there, Jeff, uh, from the old show, Dead X Radio. He felt like something kind of like around, like, his waistline area. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not making this into a funny story. This really actually happened. But it is funny, but it really happened. Um, so we were kind of moving the EMF detectors and stuff, like, around him. And it started spiking only around, like, honestly, his crotch area. Okay. <laughs> Here's what was the kicker. We took the thermal cam and flashed by that area, and you could see what looked like a handprint a on his crotch area. Well, the crotch is the hardest part, hottest part of your body, dude. I mean, that, no, it looked I, like a hand. You're missing the point here. We're not talking about like just a blob of warmth. It was shaped of a hand right there. So the uh, most. Did you gotta think? It's an old, 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 old jail. There has been rapists that have gone there and been killed and everything else in the book. There's no telling what kind of person, you know, their, their spirit was doing this. But, yeah, true story. True story. True story. <laughs> it, it really happened. I'm not kidding. Um, I've had a situation where I was in there and I thought that somebody from the group had walked up behind me. Because, like, out of the corner of my eyes, I'm turning to my left. I saw like somebody coming around the corner, walking up behind me, and I and I heard the footsteps the whole nine yards. I went to turn back around to see who it was, and nobody was there. And I'm like, it wasn't just a corner of my eye seeing something. No, I heard the footsteps following with it coming down the <laughs> hall. And as I turn around, there's nothing there, and I'm like, whoops. Okay. <laughs> well, this is what I get for roaming off alone, you know, because I, I I was dumb. I went off on my own to go look at some stuff. I was yeah. just being nosy, poking around. And, uh, yeah, it was up in one of the jail areas. It, it just, I, I thought for sure it was one of the guys coming around the corner, you know, to go, hey, come back down here or whatever. <laughs> it was one of the guys, be. all right. <laughs> yeah, just not the one I was looking for. <laughs> so, yeah, man, but we've had some crazy moments in that jail, man. Uh, there's been, like, women that have gone there on investigations, and there's, like, one in particular that likes to pull their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll be walking through the jail area, and all of a sudden they'll feel somebody just all of a sudden tug their hair. You know, have, like, a ponytail or whatever, just yank. And not hard, like, you know, trying to slam them on the ground, but enough to get their attention. Like, yeah. hey, I'm here. You know? I'm here. Yeah. And I, I, in the beginning, of course, like any other investigation you do and stuff, you always kind of, when you get that stuff, you take it with a grain of salt, and you're like, well, how much of it is their active imagination? Were these people drinking? Or, you know, all the normal, what could have been Debunking, normal. Debunking, yeah. Yeah, you know, things could have happened that really it, nothing happened, right? And then you get there, and then you start witnessing all this stuff, and you're like, okay. It's haunted. <laughs> I was sadly mistaken. <laughs> so, yeah, um, uh, one of the craziest things I've ever had happen, um, boiling back down. I, I know we're talking about coincidences, but you know what? The show's almost over, so we can free talk now. Uh, <laughs> I was in Key West uh, doing an investigation at a location, and I'm keeping it under wraps because I don't want like a million people trying to get there and do an investigation at this location. Yeah. I was walking across the lawn, and something hit my hat and knocked it off my head from behind. So it'd be like if somebody came up, like you're wearing a ball cap, and just like grab the the back of it and push it up and over your head and knocked it off. Mind you, there is no trees in this yard, in the front yard where I'm walking. So it wasn't like a low branch. It wasn't anything like that. Something literally like, because I felt it like push my head forward when it did it. And I literally like kind of like did like a quick little like bob, you know, from when it pushed me from behind. And my hat popped off and landed right in front of me. And I literally spun around, thinking it's one of my friends. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All by myself in the front yard. And I'm like, really? You know, so I grabbed my ball cap, threw it back on. And I'm like, okay, you know, it, 
typical as a ghost hunter, you're kind of like, okay, if you're really there, can you do it again? Because I wanted to see if you'd do it again. Yeah, replicate the results. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Well, see, really? that, that's, uh, see, I think that's the biggest problem with trying to prove scientifically that there's ghosts and entities out there. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows. Everybody, they, there's no doubt anymore that there are things out there. If oh, yeah. someone doesn't believe in ghosts, they need to go to the jail. Go to jail. Yeah, go to the jail and hang out Do not pass go. Do not go $200. I put it this way. I can't say what a ghost is, if a ghost is real or anything of that nature. But what I will say is I've seen too much and heard uh, too much to not believe there's something. There's something there. you're also dealing with people. People are unpredictable, no matter living or dead. Dude, we're the most unpredictable animal on the planet. And they don't care. They don't give a crap if you want to replicate the results. They're not like... Yeah, they're they're not there to like you know start dancing on cue. Yeah, you're like bitch, please, I ain't doing that again. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I already got your attention once, (laughs) but uh, but it's true. I mean, now sometimes yes, you can get things to keep replicating and doing it over and over to go. Okay, this thing's done it like three or four times now. It's it's getting our attention, but this is one of those situations where it just happened one time. I, the only weird one that I can say that really got my like. Like, I've never have been scared on an investigation, except for when I got chased by a hog once. And that was more of a different <laughs> that kind was of fear. Normal. <laughs> yeah, that was a normal fear, not a paranormal fear. Um, I was on, It was a situation where I walked into a home that I had never been into before, didn't know these people from Adam, you know. Um, and, and realistically, like, Chance is my nickname. I go by Chance on air and all that. A lot of my friends have called me Chance for years, so I just go by Chance. But my real name, which I will not mention because stalkers, uh, <laughs> I literally had walked into a home and I heard a voice whisper across the room very loudly. It called my real name. Ooh. And that's what threw me off because the people that were in that room with me did not know my real name. Oh, man. Because even they were like, who are they talking to? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> But I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I don't know who they're calling out to, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll be out here waiting for you. Have a great day. Bye. Um, but no, it, it, I mean I stuck around obviously, but it did creep me out. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Because at that point in time, when you hear it call your name, now it kind of feels like okay, this is not no longer a ghost hunt. Now it's kind of personal. Mm-hmm. You know. So I really was kind of like, I, I like I said, not scared. It was very just unsettling. It was very, you know, kind of put me more on guard as I investigated for the rest of the night. Ah. So I have something else for you. Remember how we were talking about everybody having, like, like three of us had, like, alien invasion dreams? Yeah. I wound up having one the other night. Did you? I woke up. All my hair was standing up. I can't even explain it. But it was just, you know how dreams are. They don't yeah. make no sense. Well, this dream... I literally was, like, talking to this person, and they were telling me about the alien invasion. And then I see this person walk behind them and change from a human into an alien and go, me, 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 me. I was cracking up, but, like, all my hair, like, stood up on my head when I woke up, and it's, I was laughing. It's insane because, okay, uh, uh, for our newer listening audience, uh, was it last week or week before we were talking? It was last week, right? It was last week, Okay, yeah. last week we were talking about... Um, all these alien craft that they've been capturing on film around military installations, military ships, military planes. And we were calling it out going, well, you know, it's so funny. Just saw an article in uh, Newsweek. Sorry, God, hiccups. In Newsweek, uh, three days after that show about that they're investigating deeper into this um, because of the threat of national security. I know you listen to Newsweek. Yep, we know they're listening now. <laughs> uh, no, well, the Pentagon's listening because they're the ones talking about doing it. Well, they're watching us anyway. Well, because I, FBI I, made that, I made that, and you can go back and listen to the show. I made that point on air. I said, there is no way that an unknown aircraft is going to come that close to any of our military ships, any of our military planes, any of our military installations, and them not investigate the hell out of it to find out who it is and where did it come from mm-hmm. because of national security. You can't just randomly let an aircraft, especially three of them, fly up and follow you for a few miles on the <laughs> ocean. On you. Yeah. yeah, and basically, exactly, basically tease you. You know, <laughs> at that point in time, they want to know who is this and what are you up to, mm-hmm. because that that's yeah. Anybody who knows anything of former military people will tell you that's not what you want to do. You don't want to be getting around these military vessels on the water and everything else and start getting nosy. That's because how you get shot at. 
It's not just how you get shot at. It's how all of a sudden you wind up with a whole bunch of people knocking on your door going, why were you there? What were you doing? We're going to look at your entire background. And, yeah, it's not fun, you know, when they want to do that kind of crap to you. Because, trust me, they go deep. <laughs> deep. All like right, us. So, anyways, we're going to be wrapping up the show. Make sure you turn in next weekend. And we will be having a special guest, so make sure you go to our social media. Woohoo! Have a good night. Yeah! Bye. What is happening? I have it on mute. Good job. Wait for them to act.